Amen. What a blessing. We're going to be okay. That's what God says. I hope you believe that this morning. And take your Bibles. Go with me to Daniel, Old Testament book, after the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter number 5. Daniel chapter number 5. If I could sing, that's the way I'd sing that song right there. Daniel chapter number 5. And what a blessing to see people singing for the Lord, using their talents. And uh, if you're able to stand this morning, let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. We continue our series, and this this is a little different. Uh, because of the, the hour that we're living in, uh, not the 10.30 or 11 o'clock hour, but on, on the, the, the eternal uh, timetable of the world we're living in today, I'm actually preaching Sunday mornings and Sunday nights on this thought, what is going on? And uh, I want you just to stay in tune, listen, not with me, but with God's Word. On Wednesday night, we were going down Route 66, we were talking about the book of Hebrews, and I talked about how the book of Hebrews is the book of shadows and the book of substance. And if you listen to that, or you know anything about the book of Hebrews, uh, a lot of things that you've seen that were mentioned in the Old Testament come to light in the New Testament. What was a shadow became reality, substance. And what we're going to look at today, again, we're going we're to look, because the Bible gives us examples that we can look to. And the example we used last week, which we'll use again this morning, is the nation of Israel. And we'll see, now again, Israel is not the church, but we're going to see what happened in the Old Testament, the example, and how that shadow has become a reality today. So look in Daniel chapter number 5, if you're there with me, in verse number 1. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords, drank wine before the thousand, Belshazzar while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar, so if you understand history, Nebuchadnezzar's son is Belshazzar. So it says that, that Belshazzar's father, Nebuchadnezzar, he had taken those vessels, the golden and silver vessels, he had taken them out of the temple. Keep that in mind. He says, which were in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold, of silver and of brass and of iron, and of wood and of stone. Aren't you glad we don't serve a God of wood and stone? We serve a living God. Verse 5. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed. Mine would be too. And his thoughts troubled him. 
so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. <laughs> you get, his, his knees are knocking. Do you get it? All right. That's my interpretation. Verse 7, the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men, and they could not read the writing, nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was the king Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Move over in your Bible to verse 17, same chapter. So at this point, the king has seen this hand write something on the wall at this feast. They're drinking out of the holy vessels of the temple of the house of God. He calls his wisest people and no one can interpret what was written on the wall. Many believe that what it was written in was Aramaic, which was probably one of the common languages of the day. So in verse 17, because no one else could answer it, then Daniel answered and said before the king, let thy gifts be to thyself and give thy rewards to another. In other words, watch this. Daniel was a child of God and he says, look, ain't nothing you got, king, that I want. You can keep your junk. By the way, there's nothing the world has that God's people should desire. Let's read on. He says here in verse 17, yet I will graciously, he's saying here, read the writing unto the king, and I, well, I will make known to him the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God, I like that. That's how Daniel started with his interpretation. He brings God right into the picture. God gave Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, a kingdom. He says, God gave your father majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, languages, trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he slew, and whom he would, he kept alive, and whom he would, he set up, and whom he would, he put down. But when his heart, he's talking about Belshazzar's daddy now, he says, when your dad's heart, Nebuchadnezzar's heart, was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. In other words, he was removed. Verse 21. And he was driven from the sons of men and his heart was made like the beasts. His dwelling was like the wild asses. They... Notice the Bible says here, fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men and that he, God, appointed over it whomsoever he will. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, this is Daniel, hast not humbled 
Notice here, Belshazzar, you have not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. He says, but thou hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold and of brass and iron, wood and stone, which see not, nor hear, know not. He says, and the God in in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, Daniel says. What you saw happening on the wall, that was God's hand. He says, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written, mene, mene, tikol, upharsin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and, is, and finished it. Tikol, thou, hast, thou art weighed in the balances and thou art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and to the Persians. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the Word of God, how rich it is. Lord, it's alive, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that you'd use it this morning to speak to our hearts. God, divide the joints and marrow, Lord, and be a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. God, help us to see what happened in the days of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar and what's going on today. Lord, how relevant it is in our day today. God, may we humble ourselves. Lord, may we not be lifted up with pride. God, I do pray that you would deal with us, that we would be right with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated this morning. What a chapter. What a scene going on here in Daniel chapter number 5. By the way, the book of Daniel is a book that is rich because the book of Daniel ties right into what we call the end times. The Bible talks about Daniel's 70 years. 69 of those 70 weeks, the Bible talks about Daniel's prophecy, 69 of those 70 weeks have already been fulfilled. Only one week left. That one week, according to the Word of God, is known as the time of tribulation, which is still yet future to us today. But here we come to a scene in Daniel chapter number 5 where Belshazzar is the new king in Babylon. His father had been disposed of. And like his dad, before God dealt with him, Belshazzar is guilty of grievous and terrible sins against God. These sins that he's guilty of, he is paying a a terrible price for, and his story, I believe, stands for us today as a testimony, a powerful warning for those who would turn against God. He's guilty of ignoring God. He's guilty of ignoring the Word of God. And certainly, he is ignoring the will of God for all of mankind. Belshazzar was judged for his sins against the Lord. By the way, whether we're saved or not, we will all stand before the Lord one day. 
and give an account of the life that we live. The Bible tells us here that Belshazzar, I really believe that when you see what happened to him in his day, that you can draw a parallel to what is going on in America today. As I studied this passage, and I saw what God did in Belshazzar's life and in his kingdom, in the world of his day, I'm afraid that America is really destined to go down that very same road that Belshazzar did in his day. Belshazzar walked a path that led him directly into a path of divine judgment. And America, I believe, is already seeing God's hand of judgment upon our nation. And we need to remember, just like Belshazzar was taught by Daniel through God, that actions always have consequences. We will reap what we sow. It's a biblical fact. We need to remember that, that in our lives, individuals, in the lives of our nation, that we will see the consequences of our actions. And so I want you to, with me this morning, consider some of the evidence that God gives us in Daniel 5. And we'll look at a few other places this morning and Hopefully you grabbed a copy of the outline or you downloaded it at home. I want you to follow along. And listen, don't, don't believe me this morning. Believe God's Word. See the evidence that God gives us. How, first of all, we notice that Belshazzar disregarded history. The Bible, again, in this chapter, in verse number 18, gives some of that history and how God dealt with Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar's father, and how God gave him majesty, God gave him glory, gave him a kingdom, God gave him honor, that he could do whatever he wanted to do, but he was lifted up in his pride, and how Daniel stands there and reminds Belshazzar of the blessings that God had given to his father, but also the problems that came from the, the disregarding of history. Somebody said, those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. History does come back around. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had been blessed by the Lord, but his heart was filled with pride, and God humbled him. And as Belshazzar knew, look, he, there's no doubt, he knew what happened to his father, but he paid no attention to the lessons of the past. I don't know how you are, but I always appreciate when someone else makes the mistake and I can learn from their mistakes. There's, there was a blessing to being the youngest of four children. My sisters at times were pretty bold in some of the things that they did, and it saved me a few encounters with my dad as I got older. But Belshazzar, he didn't pay attention to those lessons that happened before him to his father. And the same thing I think is true in America today, in our nation today, is we have learned nothing from the past. We pay no attention to the things that have happened. Modern society wants to distance itself from the historical foundations of our nation. And if you have a careful reading of the history of our nation, there's enough there to remind us how this nation actually came to be. Can I give you some of that from a historical standpoint this morning, John Quincy Adams said the highest glory of the American Revolution 
was it connected in one indissoluble bond, the principles of civil government with the principles of Christianity. Did you hear that this morning? Quincy Adams says that there was a connection, a bond, the principles of civil government and the principles of Christianity. Today we see that the ACLU, the liberals, the humanists, the historical revisionists, they all want to deny the history of our nation. And by the way, I found it interesting that the ACLU amazed me that one of the founders of the ACLU was actually Helen Keller. Amazing how far the ACLU has come from its foundation, how much it has changed. You see, as a nation, from our very beginning, the threads of government were woven together with the threads of God. When the pilgrims came over on the Mayflower, they came with these words, and you see them on the screen, for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. That's why they came to this new world. Back in 1639, the fundamental orders of Connecticut stated in its preamble that the states owed its origin, end quote, to the wise disposition of the divine providence, capital P, and that, end quotes, the word of God requires an orderly and decent government established according to God. Why? They went on to say, in quotes, to maintain and preserve the liberty and pursuit and the purity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even the Declaration of Independence refers to, and again, in quotes, the laws of nature and the nature's God insist that all men are created equal and that they are endued, uh, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And they close that document the Declaration of Independence, by saying this, by appealing to the Supreme Judge, capital J, of the world for the rectitude of our intentions and with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. Even Thomas Jefferson, who was the primary author of the Declaration of Independence, said, the God who gave us life gave us liberty at the same time. Aren't you glad for the life that God has given to you and the eternal life that God has provided? And once we are saved, that we have liberty in Christ? God has made all of that possible. Some of the greatest leaders, and I wish I had time this morning, some of you ought to revisit the true history of our nation because as you look at that, some of the greatest leaders of our nation were firm, believers in God. Now that's not what the news wants to tell you, the media wants to tell you that they were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I love this in the Continental Congress when a stranger one day came to the Continental Congress and he was asking around, he says, hey listen, do you know, can you point out the man that I'm looking for? His name is George Washington. And a friend of Washington, here's what he said when the man asked, can you show me who he is? He says he's easy to spot. When the Congress begins to pray, Washington will be the tall man who will go to his knees. That's how he was known. He was a praying man. President Abraham Lincoln said, without the assistance of the divine being who attended him, I cannot succeed. With that assurance, I cannot fail. Let us pray that the God of our fathers may not forsake us now. 
That's what Lincoln said in his day, and may that be our prayer today. God, please do not forsake us as a nation. We have strayed so far. Listen, you check it out. There is no other nation in the world that on their currency has these words, in God we trust. But I'm afraid those have just become words. Our forefathers believed in the separation of church and state. They believed that. But they did not believe in the separation of God and government. You know why? Because God established government. God knew that we needed government. You read Romans 13. God is the one that has ordained the higher powers. God is the one that sets kings up and God is the one that removes them. Just ask Nebuchadnezzar, just ask Belshazzar and many others throughout history. God is the one that allowed them to come to the throne and God is also the one that removes them. You see, our fathers, forefathers, they believed that government should not organize and control religion. Let me say that again. Government should not organize or control religion. But let me finish that statement by saying, but they recognize religion's importance to good government. Did you hear that? You know what government needs today? Some saved officials. Some people like Lincoln and people like Washington and people like Jefferson that believed in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, can you imagine what our nation would be like today if we had some God-fearing people that were making the laws of our lands? We had some saved people sitting on the Supreme Court. Things would be different. But we've come a long way. Somebody said, without God, there could be no American form of government, nor an American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being is the First and most basic expression of Americanism. The secret to America's greatness, if you study it many, many years ago, and I wish it was still the same, but the secret to America's greatness has always been her faith in God. America had faith in God, but today, modern America, what does it want to do? It wants to deny our Christian history. Some are attempting to rewrite the history books, and in spite of their efforts, listen, you cannot, I know they're doing everything they can to rip from the pages of history books all about our nation's history, but the documented evidence still stands that America was a nation that was founded as a nation, one, one nation under God, with liberty and justice for all. And when you look at Belshazzar and you see the example of his life and what happened in his day, what did he do? He disregarded history. He ignored what had happened to his father, Nebuchadnezzar. And may God help us to not disregard the history of our nation and to not ignore the goodness of God on our nation and ask God to revive our hearts, and may we as his people turn our hearts back to him. You see, I see that Belshazzar, he disregarded history, but notice also, Belshazzar despised his heritage. He despised his heritage. Look in, look in chapter 5, verse 22. The Bible says in verse number 22, 
and thou his son. O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. Everything Daniel told Belshazzar, he knew it. He had knowledge of it, but he despised, he rejected, he neglected. Instead of obeying the Lord, what did, what did he do? Like so many in America today, Belshazzar despised his godly heritage, and he chose another path for his life. Can I tell you that the only path for us today is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? What did Jesus say when he was on this earth? I am the way. There is no other way. All roads do not lead to heaven. That's what many religions will tell you. Many today will say, listen, it doesn't matter as long as we all believe. Believe what? There are so many different beliefs in the world today, so many different religions, and America is going down that same path that Belshazzar took. Our heritage is a heritage of faith. It's a heritage of holiness. It's a heritage of submission to God and submission to God's word. And this heritage that we know and that we should hold so dear is under attack today. Hey, listen, after one year in the new world, the, the pilgrims that had survived that first year, they, they met together and they began to uh, spend some time with some of the Native Americans that they had met. And why did they meet? To give thanks to a God for all the blessings that they had experienced in the new land. And I look today and I see about the heritage that we have and as a nation and how it's been rejected and neglected, how school children are no longer able to learn anything about the great awakenings that happened in our nation. Now, I'm not going to ask you a question. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. But the simple fact right now, if you're thinking to yourself, what were the great awakenings? That's proof right there that you don't even have an idea of the great awakenings that took place in this nation, how, how that these great revivals actually helped to shape and establish our nation as a beacon of life and liberty and religious freedom. Why do you think so many people want to come to America? Because of how God has been blessing our nation over all these many years. I think about how the first three universities, listen to this one, the first three universities in our nation were Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. When those universities were established, they were all church colleges. Put that one in your books. Church colleges. They were not established as, as man-centered universities. They were church colleges. Why did they establish them? For the intention of training men and women for the ministry. That's why Harvard and Yale and Princeton were established, and that is what America is all about. That's why we've seen great revivals and we've seen the great awakening in America is because we had a, a great beginning as a people, but so, so many like Belshazzar, we are despising the heritage. We're neglecting what God has been doing in our nation. A political science professor at the University of Houston did research on this topic. And he wanted to find out who, out of all the authors of that day, who out of all the authors did our founding fathers quote the most? So he began to search to see because, I mean, a lot of times you can 
type in Abraham Lincoln and you'll get all the Lincoln quotes. We have it all at our fingertips now because of Google. What did we do before Google, right? We didn't know anything before Google. But he, he wanted to see who it was that they quoted the most. It's interesting that they examined 3,154 documents and 16 times more than any other writer our forefathers quoted the Bible. 16 times more. There were some good writers back then. Some solid writers that were writing things. But see, that's what America is really all about is, is that our founding fathers, they, they not only quoted the Bible, but it, it was in their hearts. They were living their lives. They were trying to help our nation. But see, our generation has told God that we don't need the Bible. Our, our generation says we don't need church. We don't need God. God, we don't want you to run our nation, our schools, and sadly, we don't even want you in our homes. Since 1962, America has been paying an awful price on June 25th, 1962, in the case of Engel versus Vital. The courts declared prayer to be unconstitutional. Can you imagine? In the United States of America, yes. This happened in 1962. This ruling came about despite the fact, listen to this, they ruled on this unconstitutional to pray despite the fact that our own Declaration of Independence acknowledges God, God, four separate times. But yet praying is unconstitutional. Based on that decision by the courts, prayer was removed from the schools. Students are not allowed to pray at school, any school function. They cannot pray. Students are not allowed to mention the name of Jesus Christ. Years ago, I, I've known this pastor. He's pastoring a great church in one of the most unusual places, Las Vegas, Nevada. Sin City. Tremendous church. Been, been doing a great job just preaching the word of God, loving people to Jesus. They were going to put up a brand new fire station in Las Vegas, and they, he was a man that was well-established, his church is well-established, even though he's a preacher of the gospel, and they invited him to come and, and to say the prayer to dedicate this brand new fire station. And they told him, they said, now listen, there's one condition. If you come and you pray, you cannot mention Jesus. So he, he told him, he says, I'd be honored, I'll come. And so his wife and some of the church members said, Pastor, what are you going to do? And he said, I'm going to do what I always do. And so the, the day came. There were all kinds of dignitaries there. The place was surrounded of all kinds of people, firemen. They had the, the entourage. Everything was there. He got up and prayed and, and, and asked God to bless this fire station and bless the firemen and women that would be there and keep them safe and keep their city safe and on and on and on. And at the end of the prayer, he said, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. He said, you know what? I've never got invited back. The students can't even mention the name of Jesus. We're, we're really, you know what? They're, they're, they're basically telling us or asking us to act like it never happened. Like the things of our nation never occurred. As a nation, we've turned our back on our godly 
Christian heritage and like Belshazzar we're ignoring the teachings of the Word of God and the warnings and the lessons of the previous generations as a nation we've despised the heritage of our forefathers Belshazzar what an example how he disregarded history he ignored what had happened and then the Bible shows us that he despised his heritage he rejected what had happened to his father but notice thirdly Belshazzar defiled holiness if you look again in verse uh, look at verse 23 how the Bible says here that thou hast lifted up thyself against the Lord God of heaven and notice here they have brought the vessels of his house before thee and thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines have drunk wine in them thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold and of brass iron wood and stone which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. Notice what he did here was he violated, he polluted the things of God, he tainted the things of God. Belshazzar took those vessels that had been set aside, they had been consecrated for a holy use in the temple of the house of God, and he desecrated them. He treated the holy things of God like they were common things, ordinary things. And I see today how in America, how so many people, they've put their filthy hands on the things of God. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Man's been tampering with this book. Man's been slicing and dicing and changing the word of God. You read it yourself. The warnings that God gives that nothing shall be added to it nor anything taken from it. What we need today is we need all of it. God's given his word and what we must do is read it and study it and memorize it and share it with others. But man has defiled that which is holy. I think of other areas. The Lord's Day. That's Sunday. We call it Resurrection Day. You know, every Sunday ought to be Resurrection Day for the Christian. There's not a sporting event better. Nothing compares to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you know what's happened is the Lord days just become anything but a day of rest. People run to the restaurants, to the malls, to places of entertainment, and Sunday's just another day. I mentioned earlier, prayer in the Bible, how they've been removed from the public arena. Immorality and homosexuality are openly flaunted and praised in our society. In Colorado, a law was uh, designed to protect homosexuals that read, one one may practice one's religion in private. However, once a religious person comes into the public arena, there are limitations on how the expression of their religion impacts others And as they wrote that law into writing, that law actually could eventually cause preaching to become illegal in the state of Colorado. By the way, what's happening there can happen here. The church has been belittled. The church has been forced to the fringes of society. The church no longer holds the place in people's lives that it once held so dear. There's no respect for the church. There's no respect 
like Belshazzar in his day for the things of God in our society. But you know what's amazing is when tragedy occurs, people turn to the church. They turn to God. You see, when there's tragedy, that's what happens. But at other times, you know what they do is they view the church like the church is a nuisance. Like the church is outdated. The church doesn't know what it's talking about. They would rather the church just mind its own business. Folks, I'm telling you the truth this morning. We're living in a day when Bible-believing Christians are being marginalized. Churches are being stripped of their tax-exempt status. Children are expelled when they dare to pray in schools. Or how about this, even carry their Bible. Christianity in America is under attack. I'll give you some examples. How about this, the Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court. This was from the late now Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Listen to what she said. The United States of America is basing many of its decisions on the United Nations and European models. Rather than a clear, unbiased reading of the Constitution, she said the Supreme Court is looking beyond America's borders for guidance in handling cases on issues like the death penalty and gay rights. The world just cannot accept the notion that certain lifestyles and certain practices are sinful in the sight of a holy God. Therefore, what do they do? They reject God. They reject his word completely. That's just the book of man. I don't believe what that book says. And they refuse to be ruled by God. Not only the Supreme Court, but how about this? We know this has been going on for quite some time. The trashing of the Ten Commandments. It's become a new trend in America a while back, Roy Moore, the Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, he sacrificed his position in an effort to save the Ten Commandments from being removed from the state judicial building. The Ten Commandments are being systematically removed nearly every place in the public arena. And what's ironic about that and really hypocritical is the same Supreme Court that ordered Judge Roy Moore to remove the Ten Commandments from the Alabama State House issued their ruling with the same Ten Commandments hanging on the wall in their chamber. It's amazing what's going on, not only in the Supreme Court, not only the Ten Commandments, but how about this, the persecution of Christians in the relearning in our governmental schools. God help the people that have children in government-run schools today. If you do, you need to listen carefully. Every Christian should be aware of the relearning of our children, the minds of our children. Schools throughout the United States are eliminating all signs, all signs and any symbols of the Christian faith. Discrimination now towards the teachings of Jesus Christ has become the accepted norm in the public education systems in America. Any religion except Christianity is accepted in a nation founded on a Judeo-Christian 
ethical system. Students may write reports about Muhammad, but not about Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. See, it's not just in the public educational system, but it's also in all of society. And what is the result of this? The governments of this world, which by the way includes the United States of America now, the governments are gradually denying Christians the same privileges that they give to other religious groups. We're being exempt. We're being held back from certain things that they're giving to other religious groups. Christians who preach against lifestyles and that the Bible classifies and calls sin as it is, that they are an abomination to God. Those type of people, Christian God-fearing people, will face increasing attacks in the days and years to come. And folks, I'm here to tell you, and tonight you need to listen to the message, how we are hated for the gospel's sake. You see why? Because just like Belshazzar, we have defiled what is holy to God. You see, we have violated the things that God has given to us. But there's one more step that Belshazzar took in his spiral down. Notice then he also defied heaven. Look back in verse 23 at the beginning of that verse. Belshazzar, notice here, He lifted up himself against the Lord of heaven. That's an amazing statement. When I look at this passage and I see his life, his sin, his great sin, was really twofold. You ought to write this down. The first part of it was, we just read it there, he lifted up himself against the Lord. What was the second part of this great sin of Belshazzar? Here it is. He refused. Look at the last part of verse 23. Thou hast not glorified God. He lifted up himself. Watch this. When you put man on the throne, guess what? God has to come off. Belshazzar put himself up there. Well, there's no place for God, so he did not glorify God. That was Belshazzar's sin. And for that defiance, Belshazzar, like his dad, paid a terrible price. The Bible tells us he lost his throne. He lost his kingdom. He lost his life. And ultimately, Belshazzar lost his soul. See, Belshazzar experienced the divine wrath of God because he stood in open defiance to the God of heaven. That's where America is today. That's where we stand today as a nation, as a people. Our nation, like Belshazzar, has rejected God. We've rejected God's word. We have rejected the ways of God. And as a result of that, we are already experiencing the wrath of an almighty God. Hold your place here in Daniel chapter 5 and go with me to Romans chapter number 1. Romans 1. The wrath of God. Say, everything so far, pastor, has been directed towards Belshazzar and what was going on in the Old Testament. Well, notice now we're in the New Testament. Look what the Bible says to those in Rome and to us today in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Hold the truth. They have it. They're holding it in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Brother Flynn said this morning, we're without excuse. And that's true. Verse 20. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God. Let's say that together. When they knew God. Let's say it again. When they they knew God. There are people today that know God. Look what the Bible says. When they knew God, they glorified Him not. Sounds like Belshazzar. Neither were they thankful. Well, we're living in a day where people don't, they're not thankful for anything. People don't thank people for this or that. As a Christian, you go out and get something to eat, and a waitress brings you even a glass of water, you ought to say thank you. Be a thankful people. Because the Bible's describing here how it is, and the wrath of God being revealed that they were not thankful, let's read on, but became vain, empty in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds, into four-footed beasts, and creeping things. People are worshiping anything today, everything except for the one true God. People's gods could be their boat, their car, their house, their job. It doesn't have to be some little statue. But the Bible says here, they've changed the glory of God into an image. Verse 24, wherefore, God also gave them up. We talked about this this morning. Look at me for a second. Sometimes we think about those, those people, those nations that God said, destroy them. We just read how God's revealed himself to everyone. That they all had knowledge. They, all, they know him in one way or the other. But look what it comes to when people don't turn to God, when they defile the things of God. The Bible says here, look at it, God also gave them up to their uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies. Listen, if you're a Christian, your body's not your own. You've been bought with a price. Notice they dis dishonored their own bodies between themselves, who changed, here it is again, they changed the truth of God. You know what the truth of God is? God made a man, and then God made a woman, and then God brought the woman unto the man, and that was the first marriage that God made. God intended a man to marry a woman, and a woman to marry a man. But what is man to doing today? Changing the truth of God into a lie. Listen, if you have a problem with it, don't take it up with me. I'm just reading the book. Don't shoot the messenger. So notice here, they worshiped and they served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, here it is second time, God gave them up under their vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman 
burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error. The Bible calls it an error. It's not of God, which was meat. Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over, third time, to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate. Kind of sounds like what's going on in the world right now. Deceit. Malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Interesting that's in that list. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing, knowing, who knowing the judgment of God, they know it. That they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Look back in Daniel 5. Remember the hand writing on the wall? Remember that? Belshazzar saw this hand writing on the plaster and he, he called for all of his wise men. Nobody could interpret. And Daniel says, hey, look, he says, uh, I, I just want you to understand what God's saying to you. I want you to go back to Daniel 5 and look at these words. I want you to see it as God gives it here. In Daniel chapter number 5, look at verse 25. He says, Daniel says, this is the writing that was written. Notice these words, mene, mene, tikal, upharsin. And then he says, sometimes people say, well, I don't understand the Bible. Notice the next verse. This is the interpretation of the thing. God's about to tell you what those words mean in case you don't know Aramaic, which I don't. So here's what God says. Mene means God hath numbered thy kingdom, Belshazzar, and finished it. You're done, buddy. That's what God's saying to him. Look at the next word, verse 27, tekel. Here's what the interpretation of tekel is. Thou art weighed in the balances, and art found wanting. What's God saying there? When he's saying, thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting, he's saying to Belshazzar the king, he's saying that, that you are, the value of your life, your kingdom is being weighed in the balances. And when he says that you are found wanting, he's saying that you're deficient that you are lacking because he has ignored God. He's defied God. Now listen, if this happened to Belshazzar, this could happen to America. The last word there, notice in verse 25, he uses the word eupharsin. A derivative of the word eupharsin is the word perez, verse 28. And notice he says here, because you've been weighed in the balances and you're deficient, he says, God's numbered your kingdom. It's about over. Perez, thy kingdom is divided. God's going to take your kingdom and split it between the Medes and the Persians. The word Perez is where you get the word Persians from. So when I look at that situation, God, what did he do? He doomed the kingdom 
of Belshazzar. God could do the same to America. There's no president, there's no party, there's no political group or politician that is able to stop the ultimate judgment that awaits our nation. The only hope that America has today and as a people is that we would turn back to God. That's the only hope we have. We as a nation, this is the only way that America will be saved. And as you study this passage and you think about what's going on in our nation today, it seems to me that it is clear that America is heading down the same destructive path that Belshazzar went down. We're walking down a path that's leading us right towards the judgment of God, the divine judgment of God. America is already being judged of God. So you say, Pastor, man, this is a very heavy, very very dooming kind of a message. So we've listened to the Word of God. We've seen the example of Belshazzar, and we certainly know what's going on in our nation, and we know what the Bible has to say. So what, as, as Christians, can we do with this situation? Let me give you five things that we can do. Knowing all of this, number one, write it down. We can pray for our nation. We can pray for our leaders. Look what Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made to, for all men. Notice that. God doesn't mention a political party. God says for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we, Christians, may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And God says, look, one thing you can do, and a lot of times what we do is we say, well, listen, prayer isn't much. Prayer is everything. Prayer is the connection we have with God. We can come boldly before the throne of God with our prayers, make our petitions known unto God. God says, what can you do? You can pray. Pray for America. Pray for the leaders in our nation. Secondly, what can we do? We can participate in the process of voting. And when you vote, listen, if possible, if at all possible, vote for those that, that are believers. Those, pray for those that God would, would maybe raise up some godly men and women who would run for political office, for public office, that would understand the importance of the Word of God and having God back on the throne in our nation. And we can pray for our nation. We can participate in the process for voting for believers and pray that God will raise up other Christians to run for office. Number three, what can we do? We can honor God's command for us. And God's command is we would submit ourselves to government. We would honor those that God has chosen to be over us. Look, may not have been your choice, but remember, God's the one that puts them there. God commands us. Look at Romans 13. Let every soul, every Every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power, no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whoso therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he that is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he heareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. Wherefore, we must needs be subject, 
not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake, for, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Look, we may, we may not like what we have or what we're about to get, but can I tell you this morning that we will get the government that God wants us to have. And so this morning, what can we do? We can pray and we can be thankful. Notice number four, for the freedoms that we still enjoy. I'm glad that we have the freedom. Look, we wouldn't even be here today if it wasn't for the freedom that we had to worship God. We ought to be thankful for those freedoms because one day those freedoms may be taken away from us. And then look at number five, what else can we do? And this is a big one. We can stand. Stand for what's right. And you know what that means is if we stand for what's right, it might cost us everything. But can I just say to you, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. So, Pastor, what's the path to divine judgment? Well, look at Belshazzar. You know what he did? He ignored history. He rejected his heritage. He violated that which was holy, and then he resisted heaven. You see, if we do that as a nation, we're heading down that same path. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed. I think about the word of God this morning, and I think of this example that God's given to us. And I'm not saying in any way, I'm not trying to make a connection between the King Belshazzar and America as a nation. But I do believe that you can see the application. You can see evidence of what Belshazzar did and the results of his actions, the consequences. And then I think you can look at our nation today. And you can already see, because we, we know what's been going on in our nation. I just, I just mentioned, I, I didn't even scratch the surface. All these things, many of you that are older than I am, you, you could give many more evidences of things that, that America has just disregarded, done away with, removed from our history, that are facts about our nation. And you know, the only thing that's going to stay the hand of God is if every child of God would get on their knees and pray. Would you stand with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Why don't you come this morning, take a few minutes and meet with God and pray for America. Pray for those that are ruling and legislating, for those that are running for office those that are in office. Listen, this is time, America, Christian. If we don't do something, what we're saying by our non-actions are as we, we don't care. I tell people all the time, if you don't vote in the election, 
then don't gripe and complain about who gets elected. And if we don't pray and we don't live the life that God has saved us to live before this world, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. And right now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I'm just one. What does that matter? Can you imagine if everyone had that thought? It would matter. The altar's open this morning. If you want to come and just ask the Lord to help you, give you a greater burden for America, to pray on a daily basis. We're, we're entering into a season of prayer here at our church. Why? Because America needs to turn back to God. Because we're heading down the path to divine judgment. If you need to be saved today, if you don't know the God that I've been preaching about, that, that established our nation, that's given us life and breath, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, it all begins with a personal relationship with the Lord. Why do we need a relationship with Him? Because we need God. We certainly do because the Bible tells us that we're all sinners and there's none that doeth righteousness, no, not one. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so why don't you open your heart today? And ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. Come into your heart and to be your Savior. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, in Jesus, should not perish. See, those people in Romans 1, the people in the world today that hold the truth in unrighteousness, as long as they still have life, there's still hope. Because anyone that would turn from their sin, God will forgive them. He will save them. See, there is hope. That's why it's so important to understand we're a part of the church of the living God. Because we have that message of hope that this world needs to hear. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the truth. I thank you for allowing me, my family, this church, many others, to be in America. We could have been born in any country in this world. But God, you allowed us to be a part of this great land that was founded upon Christian biblical principles. Despite what the revisionists want to say, God, we know the evidence. We can clearly see your hand in the founding of our nation. I pray that you'd help us, God, to understand that if we do not turn around, that we are heading straight towards your divine judgment on our nation. God, please help us. I pray that we 
would pray, pray, pray that people would get right with God before it's eternally too late. Thank you again for the hope that we have. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.